Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, We're starting a new series today called Open Handed, and this series is all about the fact that, that God wants us to live a life with our hands open instead of closed. And, uh, and what we're going to see is that this idea of living open-handed, living generously, will change our lives. Uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, uh, it comes back to some of the principles and ideas from a book called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. It's a fantastic book. Uh, he's a pastor down in South Lake, Texas at a wonderful church called Gateway Church. And uh, one of my good friends, John Chastine, he is uh, one of the executive pastors there and he preaches there regularly. And some of you might remember John. He's been with us a few times here at Summit. But, uh, but I love this book because it's the, the, the most biblically sound book I've ever read on generosity because it's all about we don't give to get. We give to give. We give because it's a joy for us to give. And so much of what we see in media says, hey, if you give, then you're going to get. And that's not what generosity is really all about. And so that's what we're going to be walking through during this series. Uh, But one of the things I want you to understand is we're talking about generosity, but generosity is not just money. Let me read a passage of scripture to you. This is from Luke chapter 6, verse 37. This is Jesus talking. He says, judge not and you will not be judged. There are people in this room, you've never read the Bible ever before in your life, but you know that verse, right? You've got friends that know that verse. When you go, are you sure you should be doing that? They go, hey, judge not lest you be judged. You're like, how do you know that verse of all the verses, right? Judge not, you will not be judged. Uh, Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, This is a passage that a lot of times in church is taken out of context because a lot of ministers will use this verse and talk about money. Hey, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed together, shaken, right? And they'll say, it's going to be coming back to you if you just give. And it's like, well, that's not talking about money. It's talking about forgiveness. And if we're going to be totally honest, some of you would much rather give money than forgiveness. (laughs) Some of you have been hurt. And you're like, no, 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 no. The church can have all the money they want from me, but I am never, ever going to forgive that person. And I want you to to hear this. I want you to understand something. If you can say that, you're not generous, no matter how much money you give. Because it's not about your money, it's about your heart. See, the word money is not anywhere in this passage, is it? We don't see money anywhere. But yet when we say the word give, we automatically think about money, don't we? We automatically, oh, here we go. And you hold your wallet a little closer. They're not getting it from me. Well, I've got good news for you. We're not talking about money today. We're talking about your heart today. Because that's really what generosity is about. Uh, Giving is a part of our everyday life. Every area of our life is related to giving. That's why I I feel like this series can change your life. I feel like this series can change your marriage. I feel like this series can change your relationships. It can change how you work. It can change your future if you understand what generosity is about because giving is about our heart. That's why discipleship and generosity are inextricably linked. They are inseparable, but yet what we think at times is that they're two separate things. Well, I can grow in my faith and become more like Jesus without being generous, and that is not true. That's false. If, if you can't live generously, you can't be like Christ because we are never more like Christ than when we give because Jesus was a giver. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. So what we see is generosity is not about our money. It's about our heart. And it's about our heart being right because if we can't be generous, we can't be followers of Christ. It's impossible. And so I want you to understand today we're really talking about ours our heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we see is our heart follows our money. And really treasure here, uh, we'll talk about this more in the next few weeks, but treasure isn't even talking about money. It's talking about things that you value. So the things that you value in this world, that's where your heart will follow. So if you value um, your career, your heart is going to go there. If you value uh, your your child's athletic performance, your heart is going to go there. But but our heart follows our money. uh, my daughter, like some of your daughters, uh, are involved in dance, and uh, Sue Hewitt gets some of my money every month because my daughter is in dance, and she loves dance. And so uh, once a year, they do the big recital, and we will go and watch the big performance, and I will pay money for our family to go and watch uh, the recital, and I will watch two hours of dancing for four minutes of my daughter dancing. Why do I do that? Because I love my daughter. I, I want to see her do well. And my heart follows my money. I've invested money there. We've bought costumes. We've paid for shoes. We've done all the stuff. Now my heart follows. I don't do, if my daughter wasn't in dance, I can promise you I would not be going. <laughs> right? Because I'm not invested there. But when we invest in something, our heart follows it. It pursues it. And so what I'm telling you today is if you want your heart to be in the kingdom, your treasure needs to be in the kingdom. Because that's what it's all about. It's about our heart. So I'm going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 15. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today. In Deuteronomy 15, what we see is God was giving instructions for the nation of Israel to get along. How, this is how you function. This is how you get along together. And so he was laying out precepts and guidelines for them so that they could, they could live well in godly community. And he talks about generosity here. And so in Deuteronomy 15, 7 is where we'll begin. It says this, if any among you, if among you, I'm sorry, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So remember, the land is from the Lord. He's given it. You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand. I want you to pay attention to that. You shouldn't harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brothers, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Now, a couple things I want to point out in this passage. One of the things he says is, if you see a brother who's in need, you don't harden your heart and shut your hand. So what we see here is there's a link between our hand being opened or closed and our heart. So if my heart is hard, my hand will be closed. Um, Have you ever tried to get your child to share some of their food with you? Can I have a French fry? No. Why? Because kids are selfish. I don't know if you know this. Did you know kids are selfish? Some of them don't grow out of that either, by the way. Um, But kids are selfish. They come by naturally. I I tell people, um, I love babies, but babies are parasites. (laughs) Right? In the womb, they're a parasite. 
When they come out, they're barely better. They're, all they do is take. Did you ever notice they don't ever cry to tell you you need to get more sleep? What? They're crying because they're going, I'm hungry. Like, you got to do something about my dirty skivvies, right? Like, take care of me is what babies say. It's about me, right? And they're babies. They should be that way. They can't take care of themselves. But some of us don't grow out of that. We keep saying, it's about me. It's about me, right? Me, me, me. And what happens is, because, because children can't see the needs of others as well, they see their own needs, they're myopic in that way, they see their own needs, not the needs of others, their heart is hard. So when you say, hey, can I have a french fry, it doesn't matter how hungry you are, they see, this is my french fry, right? You don't have to teach kids to be selfish. You have to teach kids to share. Because their heart is heart towards you because it's their stuff. It's my toy. It's my french fry. It's my food. Sometimes in the lobby when kids have food, I'll just ask them, hey, man, I really like animal crackers. You want to share some animal crackers? <laughs> I'm scared of the man with a the beard. They see the animal cracker in my beard, so they know I'm going to eat it. No, but they don't want to share. And this is natural for us. And what happened is they don't see the need of other. Their heart is hard. Their hand is closed. No, you can't have. And this is what happens for us. When we are selfish, our heart is hard. We don't see the needs around us. We don't see what's going on around us. We see our stuff. We see our lack. We see what we need. And we go, no, 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 no. My heart is hard. My hand is closed. So he says, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against the poor brothers, but you shall open your hand and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Now listen to this. This is interesting because what he says is lend to him sufficient for his need. He doesn't say lend to him what you can afford. Did you notice that? Lend to him what you're comfortable lending. He says lend to him whatever he needs in order to take care of his situation. And he says whatever it may be. This seems pretty radical, doesn't it? This seems like a lot, doesn't it? Here at Summit Church, one of our core values is radical generosity. We believe that God is radically generous, and we want the world to see that in how we live and how we give. So it's not just in giving our finances, but it's how we live our lives. Because again, when you extend grace to someone, that, that's an act of generosity. So it's not just about our finances, it's about our life. It's about living our lives open-handedly in a radical way that makes the world go, why would you do that? Uh, when we see this, and it says, Lend to him whatever is sufficient for his need. Um, it, it harkens back, we've talked about this before, but in godly community, in the way God intended the church to function was for us to say, if you have a need, I have a need. It's not your need, it's my need. So if, if you're struggling with something, I'm struggling with something. We talk about being the body of Christ, and in the body of Christ, uh, if, if the hand hurts, the foot doesn't go, that's too bad for them, good luck. The foot hurts too, because we're one body. And so we understand if I've got a brother who can't pay his rent, it's not a rent problem for him, it's a rent problem for me because we're in this thing together, we're godly community and that's the way we're supposed to function and this is what God is outlining to the church in Deuteronomy. So he says, whatever it may be, open your hand, lend to him generously, sufficient for his need. Verse nine says this, take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year and the year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. So let me explain what this means. 
Uh, in Jewish law, what we see is, and some of you would be excited about this if we could get this done in the United States, every seventh year was a year of release in Jewish law. And so what that means is all debt and all, sl- all slaves were set free on the seventh year and all debt was erased on the seventh year. Some of you could get pretty excited about that, couldn't you? You're like, thank you, Jesus. Let it happen, Lord, right? And there are some candidates that might promise you that, but don't believe them. It's not going to happen, okay? So every seventh year, debt was erased. Credit card bills, gone. School debt, gone, right? All that stuff disappears. And so people would get really excited. And what God is telling them here is, hey, you lend to your brother generously whatever they need. You, you soften your heart, you open your hand, and you lend them whatever they need. And he said, don't you dare think about when the seventh year is. Because he's saying our tendency as humans, as selfish people, is to go, oh, the seventh year, the year of release is coming. If I lend to them and it's the fifth year, I'm never gonna get my money back before the seventh year. I might lend to them 800 and they're only gonna pay me back 200 before the seventh year. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lend to them because I'm not gonna get my money back. And he says that's selfish and he actually says it's sinful to do that. He says it's sin for us to do that because it's, it's selfish. It's about me. Well, they're in need, but I'm not going to get my money back, so I'm not giving them what they need because it's about me. And what it's described here is, is sin. So what we see is, is God is trying to help us. And this is what I want you to understand. Giving, God doesn't need our money. He has given us giving, the, the gift of giving, to develop a right heart within us. And and. Giving, if you're taking notes, the first thing I'm going to tell you today is this. Giving will deal with a selfish heart. When we learn how to give, we learn how to be generous, it will deal with a selfish heart. And that's what God is doing here. He's confronting our own selfishness. And he says, hey, it's sinful if you won't open your hand and lend to your brother in need. It's sinful if you're you're thinking about yourself only. He says, don't do that. See, giving works selfishness and greed out of our lives. The more we learn to give, the more we learn to give of ourselves, of our time, of our talent, of our finances, our resources, the more we learn to give, the more it drives selfishness and greed out of our lives. And this is what I would tell you. Um, This is why this is gonna help your marriage. Because some of you struggle in your marriage because you're selfish. If we're gonna be honest, you you can't figure out who's supposed to take the trash out. It's your turn! No, it's your turn. I took the trash out yesterday. Wow. Maybe this isn't about the trash, right? It's your turn to change the diaper. I changed the diaper last. Whoa, 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 tap the brakes. Maybe this isn't about the diaper. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there's some selfishness going on, right? And so I'm telling you, the more we learn how to live with a a selfless heart, the more it works selfishness and greed out of our lives. This is... This story wasn't in my notes. I just felt to share it last night, so I'm just going to drop this on you guys as well, if that's okay. Um, this is a hypothetical story. Um, I've got a sister. She's a fantastic sister. That's why this is hypothetical. Every weekend, my sister will drop her kids off my house and go, hey, do you care if you watch my kids for a little bit? We just need some time. That's great, because I love the kids. They're fantastic, and I'm grateful for them. So I get to spend some time with them. We love on them, and they'll drop their kids every weekend. This has been this way every weekend for the last like three years. They're dropping their kids off at my house. We're taking care of their kids. We're loving on their kids. And they'll come get, thank you so much. I'm grateful. We appreciate it. And then one day I said, hey, would you, would you mind watching my kids? And they said, no, we can't do that. 
We, we can't, we're busy. We got too much going on. We can't commit to that. May, maybe, maybe, let us know. Maybe we can help you sometime. Now, the situation I just described, would any of you think my sister's a good sister? If I'm watching her kids every weekend for three years, five years, whatever it is, and they will never watch my kids? Would anybody think she's selfless? Or do you think she's selfish? Yeah, she's selfish, right? What about when we bring our kids to church? We drop them back at the kids' wing. And we go, hey, would you take care of my kids for an hour, hour and a half? Hey, would you mind helping with the kids? Ah, I can't, I'm busy. Ah, I can't, I got too much going on. Some of you wish I would talk about money now, don't you? Go back to the money. Talk about the money. This is what I'm telling you. Selfishness impacts every area of our lives. Pastor Christina didn't put me up to this, by the way. (laughs) What I'm telling you is, it is natural for us to take, and it's unnatural for us to give. And what we have to do is learn how to give, learn the, the goodness of giving, and when we do, it begins to work selfishness out of our lives. Because again, some of you would much rather give money than go back and serve in kids' ministry. Do you know what I hear over and over with kids' ministry, by the way? People say things like, you know what, I'm serving in kids because you said we should, and I love it. I I had no idea I would love it like I do. I hear that over and over and over again. So if you're here today and you've dropped your kids off a thousand times at kids' men, but you've never served, or when somebody's asked you, hey, would you serve, and you went, eh, maybe you need to reexamine that because it will help you deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15, 10 says this, and you shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all you undertake, for there will never cease to be poor in the land, therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. What does he say? He says, hey, um, You're not going to look for the year of Jubilee, the year of the seventh release. You don't look for that. You just lend freely. Whatever they need, soften your heart, open your hand, release to them what they need, bless them because they're part of the body. He says, release it to them. And and then he says, you shall lend freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give it to him. It's interesting because this word grudging here, um, it, it can also be interpreted as grieving, but when you really look at it, uh, it means to be sad. To be sad. So he says, don't be sad when you lend your brother. Because if we're sad, what we're going, saying is, man, this is my money. And I'm giving it to them. Can't believe I'm giving it to them. This is why, at Summit, sometimes you'll hear me say when we talk about generosity, I'll say, man, if, if Scripture tells us that God loves a joyful, a cheerful giver. Give with a joyful spirit. And so if, if you're going to give, if you're going to drop money in the offering box today and you can't do it with joy, don't give. And, and this is what I want you to know. If, if you give with a grudging heart, if you're like, God, I'm just doing this because I'm making me. I'm doing this because I feel like I have to. Don't do it. Because God's not going to bless that heart. He's not going to bless you in your generosity because it's not generosity. It's giving out of coercion. And, and this is what I want you to understand as well. God is going to provide for his church what he wants to provide. So we don't, <laughs> I've got to be careful how I say this, we don't need you to give if you've got a bad heart about it. 
Because God wants you to give with the right heart. He doesn't want you to be sad and grieved over it. But this is what I would tell you. If you look at this, it says you shouldn't give with a grudging heart. Listen to this. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. So again, we don't give to get. We never give saying, now God's got to send me some money. That is not the heart of God. But when we give, we have to understand that, that when we begin to be generous and live generously, God wants to bless that. That God goes, man, that is, that is my kid. That is doing the right thing. I'm excited about that. And I think he wants to bless us. And it says here, he's going to bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. So there's a blessing that rests in us giving. So when we give and we go, oh, man, I kind of need this, but I know God's asking me to give to brother in need, to somebody that's going through something, whatever it might be, to the church. I know that if he's asking me to give, that he's going to take care of my needs. He's going to do what he said he will do. The word give in Scripture, in the Old Testament, uh, it's used over 1,300 times. In the New Testament, it's used over 400 times. So 1,700 times in Scripture, we see this phrase give. And that's not all the different words that are derived from this word. Just the word give is used 1,700 times. God is concerned with us being generous 1,700 times in Scripture. You think it's important to him if he says this over and over and over and over? I do. I believe it's important for him. That, that we live generously, that we say, God, whatever we have is yours. My time, my talent, my resources. And we can get rid of a grudging heart whenever we understand that our God is good and that he blesses, that he takes care of. Now, again, he's not going to send you a $100 check if you give 10 That's not how this works, although some people on television would tell you otherwise. That's not how it works, okay? But what we understand is that when I'm generous, when I give— God blesses. It might not be financially. It might be uh, in relationship. It might be an opportunity. It might be uh, joy in my life. I don't know what it might be, but I'm telling you, I know that God will bless. So we can give with a joyful spirit. So what giving does, the second thing is, it deals with a grudging or grieving heart, if you're taking notes today. Um, Deuteronomy 15, 12 says this. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. So again, this is the year of release. He says, hey, you'll serve, he'll serve you for six years, then you release him in the seventh. And it says, and when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your wine press, as the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him." Now think about this for a second. He says, hey, if somebody owed you a debt and they couldn't pay it off, they become your slave, they work off their debt for six years, you release them on the seventh. This is what we would think. In the natural, they've worked off their debt, now we're even, right? That makes sense. But God says that is not the case because if we're worried about fairness and evenness, that's selfishness. So what God says is, hey, be thinking about your brother, and when they pay off their debt and you release them, you don't just release them, you bless them. You, you furnish for them out of your uh, flocks. So he says you give them some sheep, you give them, uh, furnish them out of your threshing floor, you give them grains, and then you give them wine. So you're blessing them. And in the natural we go, this doesn't seem fair, does it? And again, think back to when you were kids. When I was a kid, I wanted to make sure that everything was fair. If I was going to get something split with my sister, I wanted to make sure that I got as big a portion as she got. Now, do you remember what you would say if your portion was smaller than their portion? 
That's not fair, right? And again, let's think about this. Some of us don't grow out of that, do we? As an adult, you ever had somebody who got the promotion that you thought you deserved? And you might not have said it out loud. You might have gone, oh, congratulations. But inside you went, that's not fair, right? They didn't deserve that. I deserve more. They got the corner office. I deserve the corner office. They got the promotion. Can you believe they live in that house? That's not fair, right? And when we're concerned about fairness, most of the time, we're concerned about ourselves. It's a selfish heart. So what God says here is, hey, this isn't about fairness. It's not about balancing the scales. Because essentially what we do is we go, hey, they owe a debt to us, and they're going to work off their debt, and now we're balanced. Now we're even. Now it's fair. But God says, no, 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 it's not about fairness. It's not about balancing the scales. It's about you blessing them, you having a generous heart. So he says, when you release them, you give them what they need. Now, this is what I love. He says, when you give from your flocks, when you give from your threshing floor, when you give from your wine press, what we see here is he's saying, you take care of an immediate need for them and a future need for them. You bless them in the here and now and you bless them in the future because uh, the wine that's for the here and now. That can be saved for the future as well. There wasn't an abundance of clean drinking water, and so they had to drink uh, wine many times because the alcohol would purify the, 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 uh, the liquid so it could be consumed. So he said the, the wine could be for now or later, but he said the flock and the grain, two things. With a flock, you can eat a sheep or you can shear a sheep. If you shear sheep, they're going to grow more wool, right? Shear it again. You're going to have an income. You're going to have something you can base your life on down the road. With the grains, you can either consume the grain, you can make bread out of it, or you can plant the seed and you get a harvest. So what he's saying is, I want you to bless them in the here and now and in the future. And he says, in the same way that you've been blessed, you bless them. So God has blessed us in the here and now and the future. He's blessed us with a heaven Someday, but a life on earth that we can celebrate. The word, it's, it's interesting. They use the word furnish here instead of give. And in some of, your, some of your interpretations, it might say give. But the actual word is interpreted as furnish. And it's only used twice in the New Testament. And the thing that's interesting about this is uh, the actual definition of this is to adorn with a necklace. And this is what I want you to understand. If you would adorn someone with a, a necklace, you're honoring them. And so what God really wants us to do is honor those around us. Bless them so that they're not starting with scratch is what he was saying. So, hey, when they leave your service, they're not starting at zero. You honor them, you bless them, you help them so that they're not begging that they're honored. God honors us. We're children of God. We're not slaves. We're not paupers. He's blessed us. He's given us what we need for today and for the future and he's honored us. And I'm telling you, what God says is uh, for us to do the same with the people around us, for us to live generously with them, uh, for us to honor them. It says, for as the Lord has blessed you, you shall give to him. Wouldn't we all like to be blessed? Yeah. I know I would. How many of you like if I gave you $100 today, wouldn't you? <laughs> Some of you are like, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not. I would love for somebody to hand me a $100 bill. I think that would be a good thing. What? All right, it's an actual $100 bill. Where did you get this? How much are we paying you? <laughs> so Steph McCoy just gave me a $100 bill. She knows her review's coming up, and uh, <laughs> well, 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 Steph, good job. This is an actual 100 I don't know if you can see this. That's pretty cool. Do you, do you know why she gave this to me? 
because I made her. <laughs> this morning, I gave this to her and said, hey, at this point in the service, I want you to bring this to me. Do you know why she could do that? She did it easily. Do you know why? I mean, yes, I'm her boss, but do you know why she did it? Because it's not her money. She's delighted to give my money away. She'll do it all day long. As much money as I give her, she's happy to give it away. And this is what I want you to understand. Just like this $100 is not her money, everything we have in our life is not our money. All of our resources, it's not ours. Our talent, it's not ours. Our time, it's not ours. Everything in our lives are gifts from God. And we are living under this false notion that what we have is ours, that my time, my talent, my resources, it's mine, and it's not. And that's one of the problems with giving because we don't want to give because it's ours, but it's not yours. <laughs> Steph told me uh, earlier, she said, I thought about switching out and bringing you a one. <laughs> and I would have called her out, and it would have fit the illustration perfectly. Because again, sometimes God gives us a hundred and we give him a one back because we think that's what he deserves. And what we fail to understand is the whole thing is his. And I'm telling you today, some of us live with this notion that what God has given us is for us. It's not for us. God has given us what he's given us for his kingdom. God has given us the talent that he's given us, not for ourselves, not to accumulate more or acquire more, to leverage that for his glory, for his kingdom. He's given us the time in our lives, not so we could use it to work harder, make more money. He's given us time to leverage that for his kingdom. He's given us our wealth, whatever amount of money you have, God has given it to you. And he's given it to you not just to survive, not just to be more comfortable. He's given it to you to make sure people know about who he is. And it's not ours. It's his. And I'm telling you, when we understand everything we have is his, it helps us develop a generous heart. It helps us give because we understand it's not ours, it's his. The fourth thing I would tell you is this. Giving helps us develop a grateful heart. As we just said, it says, as the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. We understand the Lord has blessed us and then in verse 15, it says this, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. I love this because God reminds the people of Israel. He says, hey, I want you to live generously. I want you to, to open your hand, to soften your heart, to bless those around you when they're in need. I want you to live this way. Um, and if, if you struggled to do that, I want to remind you, it wasn't very long ago, you were a slave. You were in captivity in Egypt. And, and I came and I redeemed you out of slavery, out of your captivity. I've given you freedom. I've provided for you. I've taken care of you. What I'm asking you today is I, I just want you to be like me. I want you to live generously. I want you to take care of those around you. And some of you are here today and you relate to that statement because it wasn't very long ago that you were living in captivity. You were living in slavery. You were bound up to addictions or habits. You were bound up to ungodly relationships. You were bound up to sin. And God's redeemed you. God set you free from that. I will tell you, I don't have the most dynamic testimony in the world. Um, I've never done drugs. I've never drank alcohol of any kind. I've never smoked a cigarette. Um, my parents love each other very much. 
They live in the same house that I was raised in my whole life. And uh, I think in their 70s, they love each other more today than they ever have. And so I don't have a crazy testimony. But this is what I can tell you. Without Christ, I would be destined to go to hell. Thank you, Jesus. Because every one of us at some point were bound up. Just as sure as the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, we were slaves to sin. And when we remember all that God has done for us, when we remember all that he has brought us through, when we remember all that he has rescued us from and redeemed us from, it compels us to radical generosity. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed out in the lobby, uh, if you're walking through, there's an old pew sitting out in the lobby. And um, it's a short pew, and it's from our old building over on Church Street. Uh, Pastor Dick, a few years ago when we put it in there, he refinished it for us and restored it, and it looks great. And above the, above the pew, there are some pictures hanging, and the pictures have different photos from just the lifetime of Summit Church. Um, our building over on Church Street, where we started in the 1950s, um, it has pictures of this building when it was being constructed. It has pictures of our new kids and youth facility that we got into a couple years ago when it was being constructed. It has pictures of faces and people and worship services and all the things that God has done through the years. And when I stopped and looked at that last night before our, our Saturday night services, I was walking through the lobby before anybody was here. The worship team was practicing, and I walked through, and I stopped and looked at that, and I just had to pause for a moment and say, God, thank you. Thank you for people that have come before. Thank you for what you did in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Thank you for what you did when you brought our church here with just a few dozen, literally about 80 people came and started this, this building. They showed up here to worship the first Sunday this building was open. 80, the first Sunday this building was open. No platform, concrete floors, pink walls, plastic chairs. That's what they came to. And they dreamed about a day that God would do something powerful in this church where we'd see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, where we'd see people saved every weekend when they came to church, where we would send people out throughout the world to do ministry. They've dreamed about God doing this, and today it's happening, and it's so easy for us to get accustomed to it and just think this is normal. But when we take a second, we look back, and we say, thank God that he's done so much. Thank God for where he's brought us. Thank God for what he's done. It makes me grateful. And sometimes we take for granted what God's done in our lives personally. We forget. And when we step back and go, man, look at who I was before. Man, I forgot that I used to act this way. I forgot that I used to be like that. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for where you've brought me. And I'm telling you, when we recognize that, it compels us to live generously. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. We, we've talked a lot today about the selfishness of children, and the truth is, some of us never grow out of that. We continue to function in a, in a selfish way. And I think God wants so much more for us than that. God wants us to look like him. One of the things I'm most proud of in my life is not this church. I love our church, um, but God could bring somebody else to pastor this church and I think take it to a whole other level. I, one of the things I'm most proud of, though, is my girls. God, I'm so, I'm so proud of my girls, both of my daughters. 
both of my daughters feel called to ministry. Uh, Abby feels called to missions, and Emma, she feels called to maybe be a worship pastor, or um, she asked me the other day, um, we were just talking, and just out of the blue, she said, Dad, can women be lead pastors? I said, sure, yeah, absolutely they can. She said, okay. In that moment, I just thought, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my girls, because as a father, I lay out some guidelines and a pathway, and I try to point them in the right direction. I try to give them the right feedback and the right guidance to help them get where I believe God wants them to be. And when I see them on that pathway, when I see them heading that direction, growing in the way that I desire for them to grow, I celebrate that. I'm grateful for that. And this is what I believe about our Heavenly Father. I believe when we begin to live generously, when we begin to, to open up our hearts, to soften our heart and open up our hands to everything God's got and say, God, I'm gonna live open-handedly to you. And when I see needs around me, it's not somebody else's need, it's my need. I'm gonna help, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give my time and my talents, my resources to you, to your kingdom. I think God goes, oh, they get it. Oh, they're growing in the direction I want them to grow in. Oh, they're becoming the person that I want them to become. Because God's desire is that we grow up to look like him. And I think he beams with pride when he sees us get it, when he sees his children growing in that direction. I'm telling you today, that's God's desire for you. God is not after your money. God is after your heart. But your heart is connected to your money many times. God's got to go through your wallet to get to your heart. And God will do whatever he needs to do to capture your heart. That's what he wants. That's my challenge to you today. Would you soften your heart and open your hand and see what God will do in your life? I promise if you do, your marriage will improve. Your relationships will improve. The things around you will get better. Your life will be better. Your quality of living will go up when you learn how to live open-handedly. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have given so much to us. God, we do acknowledge today we are not talented enough or good enough we're smart enough to ever accomplish the things we've accomplished or earn the things we've earned. We acknowledge today everything we have is from you. Every relationship, every opportunity, the jobs we have, the income we have, the talent we have, everything in my life is because you have given it to me. So God, I acknowledge that today. God, I pray right now for those that are here that are believers, but God, they struggle with having an open hand because maybe their heart is hard. Maybe they struggle to see all you've done for them. Maybe they struggle to see the needs around them. And God, I pray that you'd open up their eyes today. I pray that you would soften their hearts today. I pray that their hands would be open to everything you've got. Thank you that you live open-handedly with us, God. I pray that we would reciprocate that, that we would bless those around us, that, God, we would bring glory to you with how we bless and how we live. God, have your way among us today. God, I pray for those that are here that, God, they've never given you their heart, their life. They, they can't really live generously because they've never given you the most important thing, their life. So Lord, let today be the day that some people in this place surrender their life to you. They make you Lord. They allow you to work in them. So God, I pray that today would be the day for some in this room. Now have your way among us. Now with your head bowed, and eyes closed and nobody's looking around, I just want to ask you, if you're here today and you say to me, Mel, you know what? I need to surrender my life to Christ. I need to make him Lord. 
the most important thing I can give today is my heart to Christ, and I want to do that. I want to make him Lord of my life. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. I just want to pray with you where you're at. So if that's you, would you be bold enough with nobody looking around to put your hand up real high where I can see it and say, Mel, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Yeah, thank you. On my right, I see you. Yeah, thank you. In the back on my right, praise the Lord. Yeah, thank you on my left. Who else would say, Mel, that's me. Pray for me. Yeah, thank you. I see you on the right. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Lord. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else want to join these? Yeah, up in the balcony. I see you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, you have my life. Use it for your glory. Everything I have is yours. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, what we see in Scripture is that you're a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. And so I just want you to know we're excited for you and we're excited for your future and we want to help you on your journey. So if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, I just want you to know uh, we would love for you to take one minute and fill the card out that's in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says need prayer, on the other side it says salvation. You'll fill out the side of the card that says salvation and then take it to our information center when we finish here in just a moment. Give it to them. They're going to give you a new Bible and help you on your journey and uh, they're going to get you connected with resources and relationships. They're going to help you grow. So please take advantage of that. And if you're watching online today and you prayed that prayer with us, I just want you to know we're so excited for you, we're proud of you, and we want to help you as well. So if you prayed that prayer, simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. When you do that, we're going to respond back to you, and we're going to get you some resources in the mail, and we're going to help you grow in your faith, and we'll help you get connected to a church in your area that you can begin to grow in. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Here's what's going to happen right now. I'm going to pray a blessing over you as we dismiss. While I'm praying this final closing blessing over you, I'm going to ask our worship team to come join us. They'll be here at the front of the stage, and they're available to pray with you. So as we dismiss in just a moment, if you would like one of our prayer team members to agree with you in prayer, please come forward and let them pray with you. If you would like to just stick around and just be in the room and pray, feel free to sit at your seat, to kneel where you're at, or come forward and kneel at the front of this room. If you'd like to do that, please do so. If you feel like God is through with you when we dismiss in a moment, feel free to, to go ahead and exit, but please Please do so reverently so you don't disrupt what God wants to do and the lives of the people at the front of this place. So let me just pray a blessing over you as our prayer team comes. Heavenly Father, I just pray a blessing on every person in this room, every man, woman, and child. God, I pray that you would bless them with an abundance of your spirit as they walk out of this place today. For those that are facing difficulties at work tomorrow, God, they're, they're dreading work already, God. I pray that they would walk in there as a light in darkness, that they would carry your blessing with them, and that everywhere they go, people would experience your goodness and your grace as we carry your glory, your light with us. So God, I just pray an anointing and a blessing on each of us as we walk out of this place today, that we would influence this community for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great week.